this morning we're talking about peace in a fearful, fearful world. I'm going to say that one more time. Peace in a fear, fearful world. So what are you afraid of? I, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to allow something that we don't usually allow, and that is for gifts in the comments this morning. What are you afraid of? Go ahead and find a gift of your fear, whether that's a giant spider, whether it's a mouse, whatever it is, go ahead, post your fears in the comments of the live feed. I think we could all use a laugh today, and hopefully we don't scare anybody too badly. Let's keep it PG and friendly here, obviously, but you know, some big giant spiders for Pastor Tracy and Rob would be awesome. I'm telling you right now that I am afraid of mice. Like, deep into my core, I am afraid of mice. And I'm going to just share the story with you, just for comedic value, no for, other, for no other reason. We had a mouse situation in our house last year, and we took care of it, and there's something called unspoken contracts that you have in every relationship. And an unspoken contract in my relationship with my husband is that I don't deal with the dead mice. So I will set the trap, I will walk away, and then he has to deal with the trap after it's gone. That's just, that is just how our marriage works. And so we had another little mouse friend, and so I set out the trap, and it was fine, and I heard the trap go, and I said, Matt, when you leave in the morning, please don't forget, I can't. So then in the morning, I like opened under the sink, like as far back as I could. I'm like, okay, the trap's gone. My husband loves me, because that's obviously the measure for that. And the trap is gone. So that's fantastic. So I went about my day, did everything I needed to do, whatever. And so then I'm on um, a call. It's seven o'clock at night, I'm on a Zoom call. I'm supposed to look professional, it's, it's like a thing. And I'm sitting on my Zoom call and the bedroom door opens and it's Matt. And he just sticks his head in and he's like, it's still alive. And it looked at me in my eyeball. And then we were done. So then after that, it was like an hour of me crying in my kitchen. I'm not lying. I would like get real close because we had to rescue it. We couldn't leave it. So I'd get real close to the door and then like collapse into a puddle on the floor in tears. It took us an hour. I definitely put my mom on speakerphone because she needed to listen to it because it was so ridiculous. So I am terrified of mice. So whatever it is you're afraid of, we're all afraid of something. I have never had an experience to cause me to have this irrational fear. I just need you to know this. And I do understand I could squish it with my foot. I get that it makes no sense, but I am deeply, deeply afraid of the little tiny, cute little field mouse. Anyways, Margaret can also attest to this. We had a run-in with mice in the gray shed last spring. It was gray shed, farmhouse, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't like them. So we each have something we're afraid of, but we're not really talking about that this morning. These mice fears, these spider fears, they're real, but they're kind of more for fun. I want to dig down a bit deeper into what you're really afraid of those fears that you don't say out loud very often, those ones that are hidden down deep inside. Something like, I'm afraid of dying before I see my kids grow up. I'm afraid that I'm not enough. I'm afraid that I've messed my life up beyond repair. I'm afraid my spouse or my kids are gonna get seriously sick. I'm afraid I'm gonna get sick and then what's my family gonna do without me? I'm afraid people are gonna find out who I really am. I'm afraid I'm not actually saved and I'm not actually ever gonna get into heaven. I'm afraid of, and insert your own fear here. And don't worry, you don't have to share these ones in the comments. These ones can just be personal to yourself. If you want to be really transparent, you go ahead, but you don't have to. Fear is one of the most powerful emotions we can experience. It has a strong effect on the body and the mind. And, and fear isn't always bad. Fear of fire keeps us from burning our hand. Fear of failure challenge us to always do our best. But it's when those fears become something that stops you from doing something that you need, want to, or should do, that it becomes a problem. 
and we live in a fearful and an anxious world. Anxiety and fear are often interchanged in our language because anxiety is actually a type of fear. The word anxiety tends to be used to describe worry or when fear is nagging or when it's on future-focused fear. Anxiety can be considered a future-focused fear. You're not afraid of what's happening right now, you're afraid of what's going to happen. You aren't afraid or you aren't anxious about a fire that is raging through your home. You are afraid of that fire and that is the right choice. You are anxious that your house might catch on fire and you live in anxiety about that. In the world we find ourselves living, we are facing both real fears and anxieties and I think they're intermingling a lot right now. In the past year, you might have faced some real fears of of getting COVID, of getting sick, of losing your job, of not being able to pay your mortgage. There was actual real fears associated with what we've faced this past year. But as the year has gone on, some of those fears I think have transformed into anxieties and future-focused fears. Am I going to get sick? What happens if my job shuts down? What happens if, what happens if? And we've started to live in this kind of future-based fear or anxiety. And I want to be clear today that when I talk about fear and anxiety, I'm not coming at this from a mental health perspective. We believe very strongly here at Freedom that if you have mental health issues, you reach out and you get professional help. So this message, these principles, they apply to you no matter where you find yourself, but that is not specifically being addressed today. And I just wanted to say that because we don't mess around with that kind of stuff. As followers of God, we have a huge asset when it comes to fear and anxiety, and that is we know everything's going to come out all right because Christ hasn't budged from his throne. Romans 8.2 tells us, and we know, all, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. That hasn't evaporated from the Bible. That hasn't changed because of the pandemic. If you opened your actual Bible and flipped to um, Romans 8.2, you wouldn't see Romans 8.1 missing 2 and then skip over to 3. It hasn't disappeared. The pandemic hasn't taken away the truth that all things work for the good of those who love him. And that doesn't mean everything works out perfectly. It doesn't mean that your life never has trouble. It doesn't mean that everything goes exactly how you've always hoped it would. It means that he's working for your good, a good that we don't always understand and we don't always see. Understanding that Christ is still on the throne and that all things work for the good of those who love him is the foundation for having peace in a fearful world. We live in a world where many people, most people, don't have a relationship with Jesus and they face fear without a safety net. They don't have a forward-reaching hope. They lack peace for today because they have no peace for their tomorrow. And we don't have that same fear. At least we shouldn't. Let's turn to John 1. Uh, yep, First John. I'm going to try that again. First John 4, 17 to 18. And this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out, drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God is love. Whoever lives in Love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us, that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Those are such great words. This book of 1 John was written as a letter to the churches around Ephesus. It wasn't written to a specific church, as some of the letters we find were, but it was written to many churches. It was probably sent to 
many. And it was because John was seeing for himself and hearing reports back that the churches in the area, they were confused and they were afraid because they weren't sure that their future hope was secure. They weren't sure that they'd done enough to get into heaven. They weren't sure that they had followed all the rules and done all the things and they were afraid of their eternity. Had they done enough? Were their sins actually forgiven? Maybe I need to do this and this and this. And there was false teaching happening. There was all sorts of things going on that was feeding into these fears. And so John wrote this letter to the believers, hoping that they could grow and mature in their faith. And today, we read these same letters with that same hope. 80, these were written around 85 to 95 AD. And that same message still applies for us today. We do not have to be afraid because we have a future hope that Jesus secured for us when he died on the cross. We understand that we don't have to live afraid. Even though the world around us is so fearful, we do not have to be. You've likely heard this verse quoted before or you've seen it on Facebook. Perfect love drives out out fear. We really like to quote this verse. I don't know if you've ever had it quoted to you. But I think sometimes we miss the true meaning of these words. Perfect love drives out fear doesn't mean if I love perfectly, I won't be afraid. Or if I'm loved enough by my spouse, by my kids, at work, by my friends, whatever it is, if I'm loved enough, I will feel safe and secure and I won't be afraid. And I think that's what the world leans into. If I'm loved enough, if I love enough, then I will be. If I have enough security, I won't be afraid. But that's not what these verses mean. Have you ever thought, well, I must not love God enough because I'm still afraid? That's not what these verses mean. These verses, it's not about your ability to love or be loved that causes fear to be driven out. It's the ability of Jesus to love you that drives out fear. You are loved by Jesus, by nothing you have done on your own. You have not earned it. You have not controlled it. You have done nothing. That is the perfect love that drives out fear. The love of the Savior who came into this world, who died for you, that love lives in us. And so we don't have to be afraid because the love of Christ lives in us. I was just listening to a song that Joel uh, mentioned a couple weeks ago in our live stream, and it says, I will never be more loved than I am right now. And someone can drop that name in the comments because it has escaped me and I didn't write it down. But I was listening to it this morning when I was getting ready, and I'm like, there is no moment in my life where I am more or less loved by God. From the moment I was drew breath, I was loved by him. He loves me, and there's nothing I can do that will gain me more or less love. I might feel his love differently at different times in my life, but his love for me is constant and unchanging. And that love is the peace that rests in us that drives out fear. Peace from fear understands that no matter what happens to us, we cannot be separated from the presence of God. Once you have come into relationship with Jesus, no matter what you face in this world, you are his and he is yours and he is with you no matter what you face. Hard times will come, but you have a security, you have a safety net that on the day you take your very last breath, you will walk into the arms of Jesus. No matter what hardship, no matter what difficulty, no matter what trauma you face in this life, you focus your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because you will walk into his presence one day. 
Romans 8, 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, neither death, nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you can do that can take the love of God from you. There is nothing in this world that can separate you from your promise of his love. And this is what we lean into to find peace when we're afraid. Those around you that don't have a relationship with Jesus are afraid and rightfully so. But we don't have that same right to fear. We really and truly do not. We have peace and hope in Jesus. I just finished rereading uh, Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. I don't know if you've read it. You should if you haven't. I read it as a teenager, and it didn't really have the same impact as it did on me this last go-round. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Corey, uh, let me just give you a brief synopsis of her story. Corey and her family lived during World War II in the Nazi-occupied Netherlands. Uh, they were a Christian family with strong faith. They, um, before the war, they were clockmakers and clock repairers, is that a word? Uh, and they lived in above their shop. And they served God wholeheartedly before the war. And then the war happened, and they felt God calling them to continue to serve him. And so they uh, hid Jews in their home and they created an entire network um, to help uh, people escape, to get food to people in hiding. They, their life was tremendous and they put themselves at extreme risk. And in fact, um, their entire family was arrested. And Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to one of the worst concentration camps in Germany. And their, their story is just so remarkable because they had real reason to fear. Their lives were not guaranteed. Their next day were, weren't, weren't guaranteed. Food to eat wasn't guaranteed. Nothing in their life was guaranteed. But if you read their story, they talk over and over again about the peace they felt in the midst of the worst suffering they could ever imagine because they had hope in Jesus, because they understood that even if they didn't live past those days in the concentration camp, that when they left the suffering and the fear of that world, they were walking into a safe place. They had peace because they knew they were forgiven and they were safe in the arms of Jesus. It didn't mean they weren't afraid in the moment. It didn't mean that sometimes they weren't resentful. Corey, especially if you read her book, had moments of resentment. But over and over again, they came back to the foundation that they knew to be true that the perfect love of Christ lives in them and drives out the fear of the future. Betsy, Corey's sister, died in those camps. She never made it out, but she loved God deeply through that entire time, and she was at peace even when she drew her last breath because she knew she wasn't saying goodbye. She knew this wasn't the end. She knew she was walking into something so much better. One of Corey's most famous quotes, and she has many, uh, is this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So much of the fear we face can be summed up in this. We fear what is unknown. There's so much we don't know. But there is one thing that you can know with absolute certainty, and that is that God loves you, and that you can have peace with him through relationship with Jesus, and that on the day you draw your last breath, you will walk into eternity with him.
When the bad news from the doctors come, or when you find out your workplace is getting shut down again, or you wonder how you're going to survive another month of homeschooling your children or distance learning your children, you wonder if you're gonna be able to handle being alone until this stay-at-home order lifts, or you're afraid because you've been living through a pandemic for over a year and you're afraid it's never going to end, you're afraid of what the new normal is going to look like, we have a choice. We have a choice to give in to that fear and to live in it and to let it sit in us, or we can choose his peace and his love and to focus our eyes forward. We have a choice. It's not easy. I don't want to uh, act like it's easy. It's not easy. And I don't want to downplay the hard things we face. That's not what I'm doing at all. But we have a choice to dwell in that fear or to remind ourselves what John was teaching the New Testament church. Your future hope is secure. You have nothing to truly fear, but that you would be forced to face this without the presence of Jesus. That is something to be afraid of. And you don't have that fear because he is with you. As believers in Christ, we should be different when it comes to facing the fears of this world. It shouldn't look the same because we have that future hope that those around us do not. So how do you make the choice in the moment? It's, it's not easy sometimes. I always find if you name your fears, that really goes a long way to moving past them. Say them to Jesus. Write them down. Put them in your journal. Talk it out however you talk best. But get the fears out of your head, out of your mind, and verbalize them out before God. Lay them at his feet. Sometimes you can't even name your fear specifically. I've been there. I'm just anxious. I'm just afraid. And I can't figure it out. And in those moments, I say that exact thing to Jesus. I don't understand. I am a ball of anxiety right now. I don't understand what's going on. But I'm laying it at your feet. And I'm asking for the peace that comes from my relationship with you to be in control. Don't live with it bottled up. Don't think, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be afraid, I shouldn't be anxious, I can handle this, it's okay. No, maybe you can handle it, but God doesn't ask you to handle it on his own. He's there with you, he wants to bear these burdens with you. Acknowledge what the fear is in whatever form it takes. And then once you acknowledge it, remember that God enters into your anxiety and into your fear. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not only does he love us so he drives out the fear, he cares about the anxiety that we're facing. He understands and he cares about it and he says, bring it to me. Bring it to me and I will take it from you. I will carry it for you. You don't have to do this on your own. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Bring it to him. Thank him. Have you ever done that in a moment of, of fear, in a moment of uncertainty? Have you ever just stopped and said, God, I'm going to draw my next breath. Thank you. There's something about expressing gratitude to God that can snap you out of that fearful place you're in. The Bible describes a God who is not indifferent into the details of our lives. God-given peace doesn't make natural sense. That's just true. I think about 
all the stories in the Old Testament, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I think of Paul in chains for his faith. I even think of Corey and Betsy in that concentration camp. All of these situations were situations where fear was a natural response. But in every one of those situations, the peace of God transcended them, and they faced that fear with such peace. They experience a supernatural peace that could only come from God. God's peace doesn't make natural sense. When the world says you should be afraid, that's when the peace of God comes in and is calm. The Bible describes a God who is not indifferent. He is not indifferent. It describes a God who knows us personally, who cares for us deeply, and whom nothing is out of his control. We live in a world that is broken by sin, and unfortunately the consequences of sin remain, and we're dealing with them right now. But God isn't content for us to continue to live in a broken world. That may be our present, but that is not our future. God gives us a promise that in eternity something better waits for us. So no matter the fear that we face, we look forward. There is a world that has no sickness, no play, pain. It is a place of security and stability. There is no loss. There is no grief. Death no longer reigns. That is the hope that we have. That is what we're looking forward to. Someday, when we walk into eternity, there is no more pain. And the God that made you so you could love him, he will wipe away every single tear from your eye. Every single one. And the trauma that you faced here, because let's be real, some of us face trauma in this world. I, I don't want to downplay that. Some of the things you face are unfair and awful and scary, and you wouldn't wish them on your worst enemy. But someday, because of your relationship with Jesus, because of that perfect love, you walk into heaven where every tear will be wiped away. Peace with God doesn't mean you ignore the risks and or avoid thinking logically about a situation. Peace isn't saying, oh, everything will be fine. Peace doesn't mean you shouldn't take proper precautions for your safety and the well-being of others. Peace isn't viewing life as an endurance test. It doesn't mean that you just have to put your head down and just endure this life until you get to heaven. No. Peace is focusing your eyes on eternity and finding joy in the moment, finding joy in that next breath, finding joy in the sunshine on a Sunday morning. I think again of Corey and her sister, and there's a story. They, the, the bunker that they were placed in to sleep in in the concentration camp was known for fleas and lice. It was one of the worst ones in the camp, and that's where they ended up to sleep. But... Betsy walked into that place and just thanked God for everything in it. Thank you, God, for a bed. Thank you for a blanket. Thank you for the fleas and the lice. And Corey says, and I'm probably butchering this story a little bit, but Corey says, God, I'm not, I'm not thanking God for the fleas and lice. I, there is a line, and I will draw it here. And Betsy says, no, I'm going to thank God for everything I find because everything is worth thanking him for. And so they were in this bunker and they were living their life and they were able to have church meetings every night. They told the women in their place about Jesus and the hope they have in him and they were able to do it. The soldiers never came in. The guards never came in. No one ever came in and they were able to spread the love of God and one day Betsy and, and Corey were wondering, why in the world do the guards never come in here? Why are we able to do this so freely? And one of the other ladies in the room said, they don't come in because of the fleas and lice. 
<laughs> so Betsy looked at Corey and said, and now we will thank God for the fleas and lice because even though it made our lives hard, we were able to share the love of Jesus to these women who needed to hear it. And so we will thank God in the midst of every circumstance. Peace is understanding no matter what we face, you are never alone and you have a future hope that we can fix our eyes on. If you don't have this relationship with Jesus that I've been talking about today, you most certainly can. It is yours. It is a free gift. Or even if you aren't sure if you have it, there is one way to know for certain, and that is to enter into relationship with Jesus by asking him to forgive your sins and laying your life down before him. It's a simple prayer. Uh, we would be happy. You can... Put it in the, you can DM us, you can put it in the comments, you can reach out to any of us or someone that you know, we would be happy to lead you in that prayer. If you're already a believer in Christ, then you know you have that hope. And I'd like to wrap today up with a hymn. Pastor Tracy isn't the only one that thinks in old hymns. I also do sometimes. Um, Rob and Matt are gonna play it for us. And I'd like you to allow the words just to wash over you. I want you, as we play this, to consider the deep unspoken fear that you thought of at the beginning. And I want you to lay it at the feet of Jesus, understanding that our peace and our hope comes from understanding what we are promised in our future. The words to this song, I'm just gonna read a few of them because I really like them. It's because he lives, lots of you will know it. And it says this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. We don't have to be afraid. We can face tomorrow, all fear can be gone. What a tremendous gift that we can trust him with our tomorrows. Lord, you are so good. Thank you that we can walk in peace when the world around us is afraid because you are our hope. We don't really wanna face hard things. That doesn't really sound like a lot of fun, God. We would all love for this pandemic to be over. But while we're in the midst of it, God, we trust you and we fix our eyes on you and what we know is in our future. You love us so much, and we are so thankful for your love. It's a, if that's the only thing we can find to be thankful for in this moment, God, we thank you in our core of our beings that you love us. Thank you, God. I pray for those that are watching today that have deep fears. I pray that you would touch those fears with the understanding that you love them and that you would help them to focus their eyes on what is ahead and not on the difficulties of this moment, God. And Lord, I, I think of those that don't have that future hope, of our friends, of our family, that live in fear because they don't know what tomorrow brings. Jesus, I pray you would use each and every one of us that has a relationship with you to share that peace and that love with those around us. I pray, God, for people to come into relationship with you, that they can have that peace. We don't want to keep it to ourselves and be selfish, God. We want everyone that we know and love to have this peace. 
Use us, God. Holy Spirit, give us the words to say, remove the fear in the moment and use us to spread this peace. This isn't a message meant to be kept to ourselves. The promise of your tomorrow, God, is a message that is meant to be shared with everyone we meet. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would use us. Thank you, God, for your word that reminds us of your future hope. I pray that that word would sink deep and go with us this week so that no matter what we face, we can remember that because you live, we can face any tomorrow because you are with us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.